You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. And uh, it's I, this is the Christmas episode, I guess. Yeah, this is week six of my cold, which is flaring on and off again. Now it's back on again, so you can hear it in my voice, so I apologize. But uh, yeah, this is it. This is uh, getting ready. Saturday, big train trip down to Florida. Uh, watch um, watch the giant game with the parents at, uh, down there and a little R&R down in sunny Florida. Need it. I believe since this game is at 4.30, um, I will be at Christmas at my sister's. Uh, so whole family there will be – game will be on in the background I think probably. <laughs> That's probably for the best. <laughs> yeah, I don't think this will be the focal point of my Christmas. I think uh, – even if all of my presents are socks, I'd rather be opening presents, right? It beats the cold when you get a 430, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, giants are headed to Lincoln Financial so they don't have a long ride home for Christmas, thankfully. <laughs> um, so they will be uh, visiting the Philadelphia Eagles who are on a, a looking for a comeback swing i think uh after getting their ass whooped twice in a row right is it two two, two straight times yeah yeah and they've just been thoroughly unimpressive for the last month or so yeah so. i mean i i'm not going to go down that route but i mean i i feel like i've been saying that to people i know all year that they just i i understand the record i'm not making a giant's statement when i say they do not look like the team that dominated last year to me no 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 um Everything just looks a little off with this team. And, you know, that's... I mean, they lost two coaches, a middle linebacker. Like, they they lost significant stuff. And also, you know, when you go to the Super Bowl, too, you have a shorter offseason. I know it's not that much, but... And also all the distractions in an offseason that come with going to the Super Bowl also. So, you know, they're they're still going to probably be, you know... They have the much easier schedule than Dallas does to to win a division. Um, they still have, you know, destinies in their hands, but they are not the same team that this time last year we were like, oh, this team might be a real Super Bowl contender right now. And they were. Yeah. Um, heading into this game, we will we will get into a breakdown of whether or not the Giants can play spoiler to that easy schedule the Philadelphia Eagles have, that easy pathway to the NFC East Championship. Um, after I crack open this beer from Autodidact Brewing, a brand new one from an old favorite in Autodidact. This one's called Keeping Warm. It's a winter warmer, 6.6%. Hell yeah. All right. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, um, uh, <laughs> for a high-octane matchup, I believe. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. So why why I am promoting a local brewery for no money whatsoever is because they are a small business just like this podcast that produces a quality product just like this podcast. So uh, they could benefit from some word of mouth advertising. Um, 
So crack open a beer from Autodidact, tell a friend about Just Giants podcast, and uh, enjoy. Nice. Before we get into whether or not the Giants can't... Ooh, that's good. God damn, that's good. Um, <laughs> I didn't know what to expect from that. Um, before we get into the actual matchup and whether or not the Giants can play spoiler or anything along those lines, injury stuff. Um, some not-so-good news. So the Giants kind of had, like, a worst-case scenario on special teams last week that was a little fluky. I was entirely fluky, actually. Sure. No, no, it was a little fluky. Never mind. Um, Randy Bullock uh, kind of pulled a hamstring, backup kicker. He, he did it while kicking off. That's fluky. Nothing you can do about that. Uh, and it's looking like Randy Bullock will not be playing whatsoever. Uh, so thankfully, the Giants had that weirdo punter thing where they grabbed two punters at the same time. And it looked like it was going to... It, it just took a couple of days to happen to make all the roster shuffling, but... Putting Cade York, who was a fourth-round draft pick of the Cleveland Browns, uh, you know, had high expectations and had a shaky rookie year. Um, grabbing him and throwing him in the practice squad for future use seemed like the thing. And Randy Bullock was brought in here as the veteran, you know, rent-a-kicker. Uh, so they were like two different transactions, really. But now Cade York is stepping up to the plate. Um, the thing that's not fluky is Jamie Gillen is uh, still limited in practice to the groin injury. Pretty sure that happened uh, when we did some cutesy bullshit with our alignment on a punt play. Um, yeah, can we just stop with that altogether? Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm... Like, I, I know for sure we were doing a lot of that shit in the Packers game. I'm pretty sure we did it in the Saints game. I remember it happened on the first drive on 4th and 1. Um, I thought we did something cutesy there and somebody got free and drilled him in the knee. <laughs> great um dexter lawrence it's not looking great for him this week either hamstring injury didn't practice again other guys that didn't practice evan neal uh lawrence cager and rakeem nunez roaches uh i think xavier mckinney is going to play he has an illness he didn't practice evan neal uh, still not doing anything uh surprising and otherwise, I, I, I don't know. Ashawn Robinson looked limited. A lot of stuff happening in the defensive tackle position. The Giants brought in a defensive tackle for the week. I saw that. I'll go back to Evan Neal for a second. I mean, what's his, is he out for the year, do we think? Or, I mean, it no. sounds like a lot of nothing is happening with him. and he, It's getting late pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, so he had an ankle injury. And um, I remember when it initially happened – it was reported by somebody that he could barely put any weight on it, and then like the next the time they saw them, they were on crutches. I don't remember if that was like later later that day or the next day, but Evan Neal had like crutches or something like that. Um, given that it's an ankle, uh, I I think like immediately, that's the kind of thing that will swell a lot, hurt a lot, and then go down slowly over time. So I don't think he's like a, a for the year. But given you know the amount of weight that he carries with him. Uh, the athleticism that comes from playing the tackle position and having to kick out further, and also just the jumble of feet around your ankles at the offensive line position. I don't know if maybe that prolongs things. It's just the fact that maybe they weren't rushing him back with Tyree uh, Phillips playing. 
at this point, I'm almost thinking that it's not the worst thing in the world if he does sit out the rest of the year. Let's get him completely healthy. Let's hope that we have a change in um, offensive line coach. So we have somebody who maybe does a better job of helping to develop him and help fix the problems he's had. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I just, I'm not ready to give up on him just, just yet. I know in the last show we talked about, you know, the possibly moving him to guard or not, but at this point, it seems like bringing him back in to play a couple games, is that going to help him in any of his development or is it better off just starting over with him next year? And I know my voice sounds like complete shit, so I apologize. No, no worries. Um, yeah, I'm not, I mean, it, financially it doesn't make sense really to move on from him he's not like a bad guy or anything like that so i don't think there's any reason to, to and i think with the it's not rookie, a bad contract either yeah i think with the rookie wage scale i think it's actually the dead hit is higher than the uh the cap hit so i think it's it's financially an awful move to move on from him but to you can be out on him in uh, a trade or just on the depth chart so i i understand what you're saying I, i'm not out on him either but it, I mean, it's year two, um, and it sucks that he got hurt because he didn't improve right away. It didn't look good. Uh, maybe it looked worse. I'm not entirely sure. But then without playing the full year, it's really impossible to tell where you left off. Um, you know what I mean? So it, it really sucks that he got hurt. I can, de- I can deal with the fact that like he wasn't a – a good tackle in year two like i can work with that idea but the fact that i don't know where he is at the end of year two is where i get stuck you know what i'm saying well i think the difference between year one and year two did he actually get better or get worse is now there's a narrative attached to it and every little thing he does that's wrong gets magnified more and more and the perception train just gets bigger and bigger with him so yeah, yeah, and I, uh, that's like fan perspective, and I totally agree. But I just mean, even for me, like if I'm trying to build a roster and I'm looking at everything objectively, it just sucks dicks to like, uh, you know, when you when you think that over the course from year one to year two that you made a jump and then it doesn't happen at the start of year two, fine, you can deal with that. And then like you know, you have the whole year to work through things and figure things out. But once you get hurt. You know, we're at the point now where it's like got to start thinking about how we're f- moving and shaking next year and who's got to stay, who's got to go, what moves we have to make. And I don't know right. where he is at the end. You know what I mean? At the beginning, I can f- deal with that work around it, but not knowing where we are at the end really sucks. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm split actually from what I half feel the same way you do where it's like just get all the way healthy and we'll deal with things. And then the other half is like – these games don't mean anything, so I'd like to see what you do, uh, especially I would say against the Rams, I, because I think it's not Philly. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But you know, I don't know if he's not healthy; it doesn't serve you any good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this late in the year to get him in, he doesn't have any chemistry with anybody else. He hasn't played for a while. That's going to distract a little bit for it. So maybe you just. Pull the plug for game activities, but keep them, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Like, you you said that you weren't out on him. I wouldn't describe myself as out on him, but incredibly frustrated with the situation is, is how I would just describe myself. And, and when I said out on him, I meant out on him as being a New York Giant. That no, I know mean, I know what you meant. Yeah, that doesn't mean I'm out on him. That doesn't mean I'm, I might be out on him as being a right tackle of the future or, or a starter or something, but 
I'm not ready to pull the plug on him as a giant yet. It's still way too early. Way too early. Um, other notable people who were limited in practice were Ashawn Robinson. You know, I mentioned before that's three defensive tackles that were having injury issues. Um, I guess this is time for DJ Davidson. <laughs> uh, Jordan mm. Riley I, should be active probably for this game. Um, Matt Breda with a hamstring injury. That's kind of interesting. Carter Coughlin with a neck. Um, what, is, I, what is the story with Brightwell? When is he coming back? I think he just came back this week. Okay, so if uh, Matt Breda can't go, at least you know we have a little bit of depth coming back yeah. for some of those, for those and, um, snaps. Um, I don't think they're necessarily the same runner, but, I mean, at least this is an opportunity to see what you have there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, well, also it just, you know, if they need someone to give um, – Barkley, a spell just to run, they have somebody who can do it. I think you could actually make the argument that Gary Brightwell, as a runner, is a decent complement to Saquon stylistically. I mean, he I is kind of that north-south, just like head down, hit the hole. I mean, he's not great. I'm not saying he's good, but just stylistically, kind of what I think suits Barkley. He does the things that he doesn't do pretty pretty decently. You, you could also make the argument because of the few number of carries Saquon's actually getting. Does he really need that much of a blow to have somebody else come and run for him? I think it might just be the fact that he's <laughs> always being tackled by four defensive linemen and two defensive linemen, or two offensive linemen fall on top of him every single play. That could be. Yeah. Um, predictions. For, I have something I'd rather talk about than than this this game, so I just want to get the the game portion of this out of the way. With Philly on a two-game slide and the NFC East up for grabs, Dallas looks really hot, even if they got the shit kicked out of them by Buffalo. Generally speaking, for the last month, Dallas has looked really, really good. Philly is not fucking around in this game. I know early when we did our pens and pencils, we were like, oh, maybe we'll get a a, a relaxed Philly crowd, and this game won't matter. This game matters, and we are not getting a relaxed anything. Nobody's relaxed. Nick Sirianni's not relaxed. Howie Roseman could probably pinch out some diamonds. No one's relaxed in Philly. This game is over, and it's over early, and I wouldn't put it past them running the score all the way up. And at the same time, they also kind of took their foot off the gas last year when uh, Davis Webb was throwing touchdown passes to Kenny Galladay. I actually I, – I'm just saying, I'm not sure if we're going to get the full throttle 50 to nothing in this game. Or if we're going to get something like 38 to 10, which is actually what I ended up going with, 38 to 10 Philadelphia. You very astutely and accurately, you know, pointed out how in the Green Bay game, the defense was set up to basically challenge Tommy DeVito. Last week, the defense took it to Tommy DeVito. Philly's not screwing around. You're right. They 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 know that they're in the home stretch. They're fighting for the division title. They're fighting for home field at some point in the playoffs. They have a hard-on for the Giants anyway, as it is. Um, Big brother, little brother syndrome. I think they try to put this away early, so this game is out of reach. And if some guys need to rest a little bit in the fourth quarter, they can do it. Um, For all the faults and all the the, the problems that Philly's had on defense lately, you're not going to see it this week. Not with... Not the way this offensive line has been playing. Not with the still neophyteness of Tommy DeVito. I think this team is ugly early and late, and I think we lose this 
you know, 38.6, something bad like that. So we're roughly on the same path there. Yeah. Um, in, in the spirit of what we're talking about with, with Cade York and with Evan Neal, I want to talk about some guys on the New York Giants that I really want to see something out of in the next three weeks. Uh, and for some of them, that might just be availability. Uh, and I kind of want to just go through them with you one by sure. one. And, and I wish Evan Neal were on this list, and he's not because I just don't even know if he's available. Uh, so I guess in, since we already talked about him, honorable mention Evan Neal for, simply for availability purposes. I want to see that he can stay healthy. I want to see him go out there and compete. Um, but the number one person on this list I think we'll probably end up talking about the most is Darren Waller. Darren okay. Waller was the prize uh, white whale, <laughs> I guess, picked up in free agency this year. And uh, we were all excited about him. We could see why. In training camp, I mean, really, he was the primary target. He was number one guy. Um, he's had some good catches this year. He's also been mostly invisible at times. Mike, and again, I don't know, is that Darren Waller? Is that Daniel Jones? Is it the offensive line, the whole offensive scheme, 15 other things? Don't know. But here's a fact. This year, his cap hit was very, very low. Next year, it's $14 million, okay? It's $14 million for Darren Waller next year. The dead hit is only $8 million. My big problem isn't that Darren Waller was not really like a... I, I guess my problem is that Darren Waller did not at any point this year feel like he took over a game, quarter, half, or drive for me. Possession. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I he's had really great plays. He's clearly a focal point of the offense, and I'm not taking anything away from him as a skill player. What I am saying is that he's very expensive next year. This is a team that I don't really know what position they're going to be in quarterback-wise. I don't know that the situation's going to get better in, in a quick one-year span. He's a very expensive asset at this time, and he was not available this whole year. And that was the risk we had when we got him. Of course, but that's also why this contract yeah. was structured the way that it was, with a low cap hit in his first year and a potential out in his second year. I need right. to see in the next three games, at one point, Darren Waller taking over a quarter. I need to see against the Rams that he is unguardable or something like that. I need something to at least let me debate because right now I'm out. I, I, I'm i tapped out. I, I don't think that this is going to work. I mean, the preseason you know, narrative that was told to us was, we don't really need a number one wide receiver right now because we have Waller. If he's available, can at work as a de facto number one. And that simply hasn't been the case. Even when he has been available, you're right. He seemed rather pedestrian when he's playing. Not that he's a stiff, not that he was, you know, dropping passes all over the place, but just kind of, you know, again, we always use the analogy if we brought somebody in from Mars who doesn't know the game and I pointed out something. I'd be like, what do you think of that guy? And you'd be like, eh, it's all right. Like, not the pedigree, what he has coming in here, what the expectation was for him also. Um, I agree with you. I, I think that uh, the first thing we need to see, besides, you know, super production and making his mark on the field, is him being on the field. And we still have, what, three games left in the regular season? We still want to, I want to see him in all three of these games. The majority of snaps, 
not somebody who's just laboring around, but someone who's contributing, then I want to see you're right. You know, be the focal point. Be that number one option. I mean, we have a bunch of guys, you know, who have potential to be good. Jalen Hyatt, we know, we think in the future is going to be you know, a guy who can make you know explosive plays. Uh, you know, we have a collection of twos and threes at receiver. We don't have a go-to guy who's our, this is, when I need to get a first down, this is my guy. When I need to, you know, move the sticks, this is my guy. When I'm in the red zone, this is my guy. Waller could and should be that guy the way this wide receiver room is currently constructed. Let's start seeing that right now. It's that make us justify and want to use him going forward next year and beyond. Yeah, I, I don't want to be out on him because I do think that he is a, as a receiving weapon, a game changer that we haven't had for a really long time at a, at a position we haven't had uh, a game changer. I mean, I, I think that he is a better receiver than Kevin Boss. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I so I think he's probably as a receiver on par with somebody like Jeremy Shockey, a different style guy clearly um but right. a, as a receiver we haven't had a receiver at that position this good since then yeah um so i i want to see stuff from here the, this is not me out on him because i'm out on him i i i need to know that next year like i need to know that there were other factors that made darren waller not effective this year or something because there's no covering up the injury thing that happened with him you know the availability aspect he already didn't follow through on there's no walking that one back but i need to see i need to see evidence in some way that like oh he can be that guy there was there was another reason that he wasn't that guy in other games and 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 again that's the the aim is to fix those problems and we're not talking about a situation like with hyatt where you're relying on an offensive line to give a quarterback time to hit a guy downfield, down in stride, making big plays. You know, he's a tight end. His stuff is get over the middle, get open, create cause mismatches with a linebacker, you know, do something to, to be available to, to get first downs and stuff. And I say this is simpler things than having guys open downfield, but, you got to be able to do that. And that doesn't really, that's not as dependent on your quarterback as some of the stuff we we're asking for from like Hyatt. Um, I've got nothing further on Darren Waller other than I really, really do want him back next year. I think it makes building the roster a lot easier when you don't have to worry about tight end very much. Oh, agreed. Absolutely. Um, I guess the last thing I'll mention is in regards to Darren Waller, as it stands today, December 21st, the Giants are picking sixth in the draft. Mm-hmm. Darren Waller's current presence on the Giants does not stop me from drafting Brock Bowers if that's what it came to. And at that Absolutely. point, moving on from Darren Waller entirely. Or, you know, some teams have been very successful with two pretty good tight ends playing at once. Yeah, I mean, so let's. Yeah, not, but but know. I mean, I I would be more comfortable, I think, with a Brock Bowers type, who's a better blocker than Darren Waller, and a decent to good receiver, I guess, you know, projecting into the NFL level, and then with uh, Daniel Bellinger on the other side, I think that that's a more comparable duo because they offer 
both sides of the tight end position, whereas Darren Waller sort of kind of is a blocker, maybe, but I mean, not really. This might be a tangent. It might be a topic for another episode, but is there anybody on this roster who I am saying, well, I'm not drafting because I have this person? Very few, but I, I would say um, Andrew Thomas, Kayvon Thibodeau, Dexter Lawrence, those are like the players that are – preventing me from making some roster decisions right but those guys still i mean we we talked about i think two episodes earlier we need another edge guy to compliment Kayvon. right yeah but and yes andrew thomas uh, uh there's a really good tackle i mean yeah but tack but but like left ta- you know what i mean like they have very very specific positions that I, th- those that like left tackle that strong side edge like i'm not worried about those i need a compliment yeah, yeah. to Kayvon. i need a compliment to andrew thomas but my point being, though, there, there's very, very, very few people on this roster where I'm like, well, I got this guy. I'm not I'm not going to deal with that in, in, in a draft. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think even even a good team year to year, a, a good team, a great team, you're not looking at more than like 10 players ever year to year that are like, I am not letting my yeah. draft is my offseason decisions be swayed because of this player. Like, I, I there should not there so shouldn't be there shouldn't be many of those players. Uh, that's correct that sounds like you're being too much of a homer if you've got more than 10 so yeah you're right uh moving on to the next guy on my list this one is also pretty tough i think because it's the same sort of position group and that's darius slayton um darius slayton earned himself this second contract he bet on himself to get it he got a two-year deal um he i think he's going to end up being our leading receiver again this year I believe it's like the fourth out of fifth year. Something ridiculous. So he's certainly earned himself. I don't think either one of us is like Darius Slayton has to go, right? I mean, I don't have any issue with Darius Slayton already being under contract for next year. The problem is that next year he costs $8 million, but the dead out allows him gone for $1.5 million. This is not at all performance-based for me. It's just from... A financial standpoint, it's an easy target in we need to fix a lot of things at once, um, and we will need money. Darius Slayton has not been amazing ever. <laughs> he's always been – he's been our leading receiver for – like he's never done anything he, wrong. This isn't a complaint, he, but he, but is he worth our, $8 million? He's been our, he's been our leading receiver because quite frankly there's been nothing else consistent. Nobody else that can stay healthy. Which is, which is not a knock on him. He has been a consistent guy since he's been here. That has been yeah. – he. what we expect from Darius Slayton, we have pretty much gotten from the get-go. Some right. drops are going to happen, but he's also going to follow through on a lot of things. He's going to be relatively healthy. He's a pretty strong dude. He's a pretty smart dude, and he's a really fast guy. Right. But well, my, my, my is he being, $8 million? My, my point being, though, that like when you put the words – Darius Slayton and leading receiver on team, that's more of a product of everything else around him as opposed to him. Right, but he he hasn't done anything wrong or been bad or anything. My the biggest question is going to be: Is his contribution going to be eight million dollars worth? Mm-hmm. So you know, it does. The way I look at it is that he's probably my last cut or whatever because. He's like my last ditch option 
And I say that because I do think that because of his consistency, I think that is evidence that if you improve the rest of the offense, his consistency should rise with the performance of the rest of the offense. So that's the way that I look at it. I look at that $8 million as an investment towards the future in that, like, I have to fulfill my end of the bargain as a GM to, you know, make that second half of that contract worth it because he's already shown that he can rise to the occasion. That's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, it seems weird, like, when you're talking about a guy like Saquon Barkley and we're talking about, you know, 12 or $13 million. And it's like that's going to be the off-season story. I like Are knew you were going to bring this up too, and it's like such a shitty. Th- this that is like the why are running backs undervalued argument. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When all of a sudden we're talking about Darius Layton, eight million dollars. It's like, <laughs> and it's not even going to be something. It's going to be like, oh yeah, well Darius Layton's making that. But the the headlines are going to be all about Saquon Barkley. Um, I think that. Slayton being here next year will be the product of what we do with other contracts, you know, and say like, oh, we have more cap space than we thought we did. We'll keep him. But if we, you know, we resign Barkley, uh, we were up against it. I think he's much more likely to be cut, not so much for him, but what do we do with other contracts to decide if he's staying or going? I, I, uh, I agree. And I, I think that's probably how I'm looking at it, but I want him to stay um, I like the story. I I like I like not having to fix more problems. Honestly, like these are four guys that I want to see things out of because I don't want to have to fix these problems in addition to the problems that we already have. Well, um, let's clar- let's clarify that then. I I would I wouldn't mind keeping him, but I think the problem there's still a a problem in the room that he's still our best most consistent receiver. The, sure. the wide receiver room has to be elevated, but that doesn't mean throw the baby out with the bathwater. That doesn't mean he's got to go to make it better. We got to elevate around it. So he's not de facto wide receiver one. Right. Um, So what I really want to see from him, I want to see him in the Eagles game, make James Bradbury look silly or something like that. I I want really everything in my bones tells me I want it to be Darius Slay. um, But we won't get that. Will we? Because he's, he's, out for the rest of the year. He's with the potential of coming back for the playoffs, I think. Um, I think it's possible. I want to see him make uh, James Bradbury look silly. I want him Mm -hmm. to make what the league considers a top corner. I want him to dominate in a game against him. And that's that's what I'm looking for. If he can show me that, I'll, I'll say... I'm on board for eight million next year. Let's elevate everything else. And I've seen it. He can do it. That will do for next year. <laughs> Let's fix the broken shit before we fix the things we can upgrade or whatever. You know what I mean? Play to your contract. Be a wide receiver. One. Don't yeah. ask. This one's probably really, really easy, but it is conflicting. Um, Mark Lewinsky. I've been screaming for this guy to be cut since they signed him. Um, <laughs> the dead out next year. He, he's he's on pace to get $7 million. The dead out is $1.5 million. Um, but at the same time, this offensive line sucks. And I know that he doesn't contribute much, but having a body that's a veteran that knows roughly the scheme, you know what I mean? Like, it feels weird to have a shitty position group say that it's bad and that you need to upgrade it and you are, you're going to dig out people that are already there. It just seems like... 
I mean, this is probably addition by subtraction. That's the way I'm going to look at it. Yeah, but it is – it's just more and more investment into one spot and it's just never-ending. It's – well, we got to get it right. I mean it's it's the most important spot on this team I think and it requires significant investment and it requires us to get it right. <laughs> we just haven't been getting it right with guys like him. You know, so – just having him there and saying, well, he's here. If he's a marginal guy who contributes marginally on a bad unit, what's the replacement value of, of replacing and getting at least that? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know either. But I mean, I I, I, at $7 million, that's a very expensive depth piece. But forgetting the money for a moment, I'm looking at simply the amount of things we need to fix. So clearly right tackle is not looking great whether or not evan neal's a starter that's not good enough we need somebody to push him plus there's no depth plus there's no backup left tackle plus there's no right guard you know it's a it's a damn mess and ben bredesen is is a free agent and i have to think that you have to scramble to get him to come back otherwise you have like a left guard situation so the whole the whole line is a mess with holes that need to be filled it's just frustrating. I, I I want to say he's already under contract. He's a veteran. At least it's depth. It's one less depth piece we have to get in addition to all the starters and other depth pieces we need to get. This is still easier for me. I want him gone. Addition yeah, by I, subtraction. I I, just something else. I don't know why I'm having this debate with him. I think, you know, if you're not contributing on a very bad unit, why are you here? Fair fair enough. Um, I, I Yeah. It's just that's it. It's simple. it's very daunting to look ahead into the off season and be like, I have to replace four offensive linemen. But we have to, guess what? We have to replace four offensive linemen. Yep. At least it's kind of yeah. five. <laughs> Life's not fair. I mean, yeah. That's that's why we've been trying to stress that this is a rebuild and it's going to take multi years because some of these things are easier fixes and solutions than others. Offensive line. Was never going to be, oh, we'll just strap this guy and this guy and we're good to go. No. There is, there's depth issues on top of starter issues on this offensive line that have to be unwound and fixed. And you can't wave your wand and have it be ready in one year. Last one's interesting. Xavier McKinney. Contract year. Um, there's really no super talent at the safety position. He's the bona fide starter. Jason Pinnock had to prove his starter spot in the preseason. Yes. Um, we need veterans in the secondary as well. Dory Jackson is almost certainly gone. We're looking at rookies all over the place. And if not rookies, very, very young veterans. Right. I need to see Xavier McKinney be somebody in these last three games that I at least want to bring back. I, I got to need him back because from if it weren't for like poor tackling, I would say he's got a bad mouth once in a while when we're doing poorly. When we're doing well, everything seems honky dory. Um, So it's really I guess what I need to see from him. I need to see him light people up. I need to see him, you know, be the man on the field. I just don't think do you, I'm going to see it. God, do you see his future tied to Wink's future? Like, if Wink is here, 
he may not be here anymore or vice versa or is it just irregardless not necessarily but possibly yeah i i mean i it could i could see that situation but again i i could see it turning around in the next three weeks like silly stuff in the locker room like losing creates a lot of these problems and i don't think they're going to win much in the next three games or anything like that but a lot of like pettiness and bitterness gets built up from losing and a lot of times it's a really simple conversation that needs to happen and it just needs the right set of circumstances to you know like they don't have to win a game Xavier McKinney could get a pick and have the right conversation in the locker room with Wink Martindale afterwards and whatever their problem is could go away you know what I mean so I think honestly just playing well can change things like that and and direction of the team stuff like that uh, you can clip this because we might bold prediction for next year. Maybe it's not so bold. Uh, Brian Dable, Wink Martindale, Xavier McKinney. Only two of those will be back next year. So I don't I don't see Wink and him coexisting again next year. I think if I think it's one of these kind of things where Wink and Dable gotta get in a room, get this shit straightened out. What's gonna happen? And I think one of the one of the negotiating things I think that Wink will bring to the table will be to get the air cleared out is that he doesn't want him in here anymore. So I don't think he's going to be back. I think that's a really good prediction. I think it's very possible. Uh, but I think it just adds a soup, in my opinion, and, and I think that this is okay. I'm, I'm, this was always kind of my vision if I were playing chess here. I would move on from Xavier McKinney and get somebody who is a bona fide uh, presence in the middle of the field back there. I don't like that Xavier. I don't like that my safety sucks at tackling. I don't think That's that Xavier McKinney is bad. I think that he's a smart guy. I think that he's a good safety. I don't think he's a great safety. I think that he's got issues. And but like m- me personally, the issues that he has don't jive with me. You know, if he had like coverage issues, I could maybe get around it. Or is like ah, he's a bad blitzer or something like that. I, you know, whatever. But, like, not being able to tackle well as a safety. Like, I want that dude. I like Sean Taylor. You know what I mean? Like, that's my safety. I want people lit up from the safety. I want no one getting past him. And it's, I want people afraid to run across the middle of the Especially field. when you got young guys all around you in the secondary, too. You need a rock. You need someone where, you know something? If I get loose and I can get past Deontay Banks or something, this guy's going to come over and knock this shit out of me. It would just be nice to have, like, a playmaker back there. Not saying Xavier McKinney isn't good or whatever, but just like a feared presence back there. I would yeah, like playmaker that. Does that. Playmaker doesn't necessarily mean that's have seven interceptions. A playmaker is some guy that knocks your feelings out if you have to. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, so those are the kinds of things that I'm going to be honing in on. I'm going to be watching a lot of the younger players. I'm interested to see if Jordan Riley gets a ton of playing time in this game with all the defensive tackle injuries. That's the kind of stuff I'm going to be looking at. I'm not really looking at the outcomes of these games. Um, yeah. I, I hate to be depressing, but, I mean, it's only three games. It's three weeks. It's Christmas. It's New Year's. It's the week after you can get excited for playoffs. I mean, like, really, this is the home stretch right now. So a lot of teams are out of playoff contention, pretty much. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think if you're a Giant fan, you're kind of a realist. I think you got a second lease on life with a couple of wins with Tommy DeVito and stuff where – None of us expected any of that. We all thought our season was over. 
you know, before Thanksgiving. And we got a little bit of a respite. We got a, a December to enjoy some football again. But this season was going to head this way as soon as Andrew Thomas got hurt and as soon as Daniel Jones got hurt. And now we're just playing out the string. And it's okay. There's three weeks left. We'll get through this. Hopefully that last Philly game will be meaningless to Philly. They bring out their scrubs, and we can pull out a win there. But it's been a very difficult season to be a Giant fan. It's almost over. Um, hopefully we're all in clear minds going into this and know what we're expecting going into it. And I assume that we will be doing our episode Tuesday night for Wednesday morning. Yeah, I think uh, Monday night is Christmas. I don't think we'll be doing anything Christmas night. Yeah, uh, We'll do it Tuesday night sounds realistic. All right. And so we will see you all on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and, of course, YouTube on Tuesday mor- uh, Wednesday morning. Uh, until then, go Giants. Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry yeah. Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Happy Merry holidays. Christmas. Yes. And, and uh, go, Giants. go Giants, I guess. <laughs>